I think it's a really key to look at where your resentments lie. So if you are resenting your spouse in any area, what is that area? And that's the area that you need to fix. Because if there's, if you're not having those resentments, if it's working pretty well for you, then you're probably not, you don't need to set as many boundaries. But if you have some resentment in certain areas, that's where you need to take a look at, okay, how am I showing up here? What do I need to do differently? What is the conversation I need to have with my spouse and how we can make this work the best for the both of us? Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I am your host, Devin Miller, the uh, serial entrepreneur that's also the uh, founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, um, where we help startups and small businesses with patents and trademarks. So today's a little bit of a different episode in the sense that most of the time we have um, guests on that are going to tell about their journey, doing their startup, doing their invention, and and we'll have a little bit of that episode. But really today, one of the things that we often get, you know, you know, I've been through it and, and every, I think every, almost every entrepreneur has been through it is that you get, a, you, when you're doing a startup, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. It takes a lot of your day out. And depending, unless you're doing it with your spouse, your spouse may be not involved. It can be difficult to have necessarily a strong marriage or you need to figure out what works for you to keep a strong marriage while dedicating a lot of time, effort, and thought process into getting your startup going. So on today, we're going to have as a guest, Amanda Lauder, and she is a um, certified, and let me make sure I get it right, sex and marriage coach. And we will talk a little bit of difference between a coach versus a, a therapist. And it, I thought that was an interesting dis- or differentiation. But Amanda also had a, a bit of an entrepreneur journey herself. She's done a few businesses. She's been uh, studied entrepreneurship at BYU, which Anybody that goes to BYU is good in my book because uh, that's my alma mater as well. Uh, but she'll tell a little about her journey and then we'll get into a little bit more of kind of how we can make as entrepreneurs, as startups, as co-founders and founders, how we can make that, you know, strong and how we can make that, um, you know, how we can keep our marriages strong while doing a startup. So that was a long intro, longer than a normal give as an intro, but welcome onto the podcast, Amanda. Thanks so much, Devin. I'm so happy to be here with you. So we'll get into... The, all of the, the great things about how to make our marriages strong, how to deal with the, you know, doing a startup and with working with your spouse and whatnot, but maybe just give the one or two minute just journey to, to give your credentials as to also do, be a, a startup and entre, entrepreneur yourself. Yeah. So like you said, I went to BYU and I studied entrepreneurship there. Um, I've had several several businesses over the years, some more successful than others. Um, Probably the most successful one I had up to this point was I owned a large digital scrapbooking company in the mid 2000s. It was the largest digital scrapbooking company in the world at the time. Sold it and have done a few other other businesses in the meantime, some were great, some weren't so great, but then I decided to become a life coach, a certified life coach, and that business is doing really, really well. So that's kind of where I am in my journey. Um, I thought I got divorced in 2011 and I thought I wanted to go back to school and become a therapist because of how much therapy helped me. But then I realized that was a very, very long journey. I would have pretty much had to redo my undergrad then go to graduate school. And then it's like three years practicum. And that just wasn't practical for me raising five kids with my new husband. 
So I, then I found coaching and thought it was a much better fit for me. And so I became a certified life coach and started my business that way. And that's been, it fits in much better with my lifestyle and with my family. And yet I'm still able to have an amazing business and career. Well, that's awesome. So I, with all of that as an intro, yeah. <laughs> one thing you touched on, what give everybody for the idea. I've, I understand, I've heard the term life coach. I've heard the term therapist. I never honestly use them very much and maybe I should and I will get we get into that but what's the difference between a coach versus a therapist So therapists are really great and they help people who are them they're more functional someone who is doing okay but wants to make things great and coaches them to do it and there is a lot of really bad life coaches out there. I'll just be honest. I'm um, jump pretty in. much, it's not a regulated industry. Sorry, let me jump. We had a, a slowdown either my internet connection or yours. So if you can just give that mm. one more bite one more time in case it cut out or it didn't make all or flow all the way. Sure. Through. Sorry. Sure. So rewind no, that's okay. one more time. So, <laughs> yeah. So a therapist is an amazing thing, and it really helps a lot of people who are really struggling in life, really in dark places, a lot of mental illness, and helps them be able to function and do well. And I'm a big fan of therapy. But a life coach is really someone who can take your life from being good and help you make it great. There are a lot of bad life coaches out there that have given life coaching kind of a bad name, I think. Um, anybody, it's not a regulated industry, so anybody can call themselves a life coach. But I went through a specific program. It was a six-month training that I had to prove that I actually knew what I was doing in certain methods. And that's why I'm a certified life coach rather than just calling myself a life coach. I actually had to go through a whole process and be trained and be certified in the methods that I learned. And I can, I think it gives a lot more credibility to where I'm at. And then I chose um, women's sexuality and marriage as my focus with my practice. Okay. So my two second synopsis is therapists fix fix things that have gone wrong or that have gone bad. Life coaches can make something that's going well even better. Is that a fair summary? For the most part. I mean, I really work with women. Like I work with women whose sex lives are really not good and they really want to make them great, but they're not, they're not falling into the category of like mental illness. So that's kind of the distinction that I make there. All right. So now we take that. So we've got a bit of an intro as far as you as an individual, your journey, as well as kind of the difference between a, um, you know, coach versus a therapist. But now let's dive into a few, you know, the meat of the conversation, so to speak. Uh, You know, you take, because, and you've done it a bit with, and and you've also gone through divorce. You've done, you've been entrepreneurs yourself, been built a business. And so, you know, you, you have that background as well, but you know, if you're to take somebody that's in a startup or a small business, and I, as I mentioned, I've done it, I've worked with a lot of people I have, and it takes a lot of time and effort, you know, even when you're sometimes at home or that, your mind often wanders back to the business. And so it's hard to not, you know, sometimes check out or to make sure you're mentally there with your spouse, with your kids and everything else. So I'll open it up. What would be the, what would be a few things that you, ways to keep your marriage strong if you're either getting into a startup or you're growing a startup or building a business, how can you kind of work to make sure that your marriage stays good as you get into that phase of life? Well, I really think that it's really about where you decide your priorities are. Hmm. I think, you know, we, 
the business is really important and you want to be able to build that and you want to be able to provide well for your family. And so it is very much the priority, but if you're making it a priority over your spouse, your marriage, your children, then it's probably going to get in the way and cause problems. So really understanding like have your focus time where you're focused on the business and being present with the business and then have your focus time where you're focused on your spouse and your kids and your family and really try to stay present as much as possible. Now, I know we're serial entrepreneurs. We're always got our ideas going in our head, even though we're trying to stay present with our family. Having a process for that, I think, is really important. So if you have an idea, rather than getting completely distracted and taking that, maybe just, you know, make a note in your phone, something that you want to process later, and then come back to the present. And yeah, and I, and that's one thing, and not that you've told me, but that I do myself, and what I usually do, and I, I think everybody has their own note-taking system. One, if I'm at my desk, I always use sticky yeah. notes, which is, which is I, I have my desk and I actually use it as a way because I hate my desk to be cluttered. But if I use sticky notes and I have to get them off my desk, so it makes me do the project, what I'm supposed to do. But then if I'm not at my desk, <laughs> I'll actually send myself an email, just email myself with the idea so I can then come back to it later when I get back to the office or that. But here's, so here's the, where I think it sometimes gets off track and I'm probably pulling in my own experience, but I think it's relevant to others is you don't even necessarily intend, you know, intend for it to get off track or not be a priority, right? In the sense that a startup right. where you're working on your business and something is urgent, you know, and everything's always urgent as a startup, but you, you know, it's always kind of more, well, I'll make sure to put time in that next time. You know, I'll, I'll put more time for my spouse, but I got to get this taken care of right now because it's, you know, today and right now and some of those other things tend to get pushed farther back, right? Or I should be going to my kids baseball game, or I should be coaching, or I should be involved. And it's not that you don't intend to or don't want to, but it's just those are have less urgency because you don't have to deal with them right now. And so they keep getting pushed to the back burner. So how do you kind of keep those from getting pushed to the back burner? Well, I think the one of the words that you kept using is really key is intention and being intentional with the way that you are thinking about things. I know that a lot of things seem very urgent when you are having your own business and a startup, but most things don't require that much urgency. We just think that they do. So really understanding where your intentions lie and being intentional with the way that you're thinking about your family and your business is really going to help you direct yourself in the way. I the thought that I always like to come back to is like, who do I want to be in this situation and try and show up as my best self in every situation. So if I'm being my best self as a business owner, is that at the detriment of my best self as a wife, a mother, you know, in that moment, what is the most intentional that I can be? And I think constantly checking in with yourself, learning to check in with yourself about where your intentions lie and who you want to show up as is really the key. So, and so diving into that a bit deeper, because I, I agree it's intentional, but how do you actually, you know, there's a difference between understanding you should be intentional versus actually making yourself or implementing to be intentional, right? So what are kind of the, and I know, I'm sure it's different for every person, but what some, what are some of the ways you can actually start to be intentional or what is some of the things you can implement to be more intentional about that? So, one of the keys, I think, is understanding the human brain. And I'll just go into some very, very basic steps. We have a lower brain that is kind of caveman brain, lizard brain. 
And its sole focus is to keep you alive. And so it does this in one of three ways. It does this by avoiding pain at all costs. And that's either physical pain or emotional pain. And it doesn't really understand the difference. And it thinks that, you know, when you're not doing things that you, it thinks you should be doing that you might die. And so it tries to offer you thoughts consistently. Like you have to do this, you have to do this, or the business is going to die. You have to do this or else something's going to happen. And so it's, just being on to your brain that it does this. The second thing it does is it wants to seek pleasure wherever it can. So if you have, you know, if you're thinking like, oh, if I do this, I'll make more money. If I do this, I'll make more money. I'll do this, I'll make more money. Your brain's going to constantly be offering you those thoughts, which is going to get you off track. Okay. The third thing, which seems kind of counterintuitive for someone who is an entrepreneur and has, has a startup is it likes to reduce effort. So be, avoid pain, seek pleasure, seek pleasure and reduce effort. And the way that it does that reduce effort, it's like, well, you know, it's not that important that I spend this time with my wife. I can go do the business or it's not, I don't have to do this for my kids. And it's not that those things are bad, but is it where your higher desires, your true intentions lie? And just being on to your brain that the thoughts that it's offering you aren't always going to serve you. And you really have to be more intentional about the way you're thinking about those things. No, I mean, that, that's three good, or three good things and, and, and things to know about how your brain works and how you're being intentional about it. So now if I, and I know that they, the, all of these are topics we could dive much deeper into. And so we'll totally. have to do that at, at some, another point in time, maybe have it back on. But another <laughs> one I thought was interesting that we talked about was, you know, involving your spouse to a degree that it makes sense in order to make them feel validated or otherwise in part of the business. So maybe if you wanted to, touch a bit on, you know, how you do that validation or how you involve them or how that makes sense to have them as part of the business, even if, you know, whatever degree that makes sense. Is that maybe uh, give a little bit of thoughts on that? Well, I think that's really just a matter of communicating with your wife and or your spouse and finding out how much they want to be involved. Mm. My husband has no desire to be involved in my coaching business, but he very much likes to be a sounding board for me. He likes to offer ideas when he has them. And I love that. So he can still be part of my business and I can still involve him in things without him being in the business. But I have to go off of what he wants. It's not just about what I want, right? So if he wanted to be more involved, then I could find more ways to get him involved, but he doesn't. So I'm conscious of where he wants to be and what his, where his intentions are and how I can involve him in. Oh, looks like we lost the video for just a second. So you're back. Hopefully you came back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting signals that it's your internet. So I don't know. Usually our internet's pretty good here. So I apologize. Um, let me, why don't I'll, let me pause this for just a second. I don't normally do it during the podcast. Yeah, Give me I just understand. A pause it. I'll see if I can uh, shut a couple things down really quick. So the internet uh, acts better on my end and then I'll pick back up. Does that work? Sure. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's totally all right, so everybody, we took a brief intermission between both of us. The internet seems to want to not uh, cooperate, so we're going to keep doing the video. If we have to, we'll just go to audio only because it's an interesting enough conversation. So we're going to rewind just a little bit. So I think what we were talking about is you were, and, and my spouse is the same way in the sense that, you know, and it sounds like your, your spouse is, is that they don't want to necessarily be involved with the business 
or, you know, if you were to ask my wife, when I started my first startup and, and uh, all the companies I'm at, she's not a business person. And I don't, I don't want her to be, and I don't, I'm not trying to fit her into that box, but you know, she would, she was, she's now just a full-time stay at home mom. Before we had kids, she was a nurse and she loved the nine to five meeting. She knew that she'd go to work, she'd work, do the job, come home, and she'd be able to set work down because it was, you know, past five o'clock, she's logged out. Whereas me, I'm the, I, I have an idea and I, I, my mind's always going and it, it's the opposite. And so, you know, when I started my businesses, I knew up front that she wouldn't want to be involved. I didn't want, want her to, didn't want to pull her into something she didn't want to be involved with. And so I, you know, we kind of set boundaries. I think that's kind of what you were saying. Sometimes with your spouse, you have to almost upfront talk about expectations about what we want to do in the conversations and set those expectations on the front end to avoid having issues on the back end. Is that about a good absolutely. segue back into where you left off? Yes, absolutely. I think setting boundaries for yourself and what you allow for yourself and then setting boundaries for the relationship and what you allow into that is key for sure. And so how do you do, and so how do you set or define those boundaries? And so let's say you're, you're, you know, rewinding in time for me or for people that are just getting to start up or small business and saying, Hey, I want to, I want to get going on this. I'm excited about it. How do you, what do you, how, what does that look like to sit down with your spouse and say, do you want to be involved? Do you not want to be involved? Or do you say, what are the, how do you, how do you have that start that conversation? I think you started it just perfect, Devin. You sit down and say, you know, what are your expectations about this? What do you expect from me? What do you, how much do you want to contribute? And having those boundaries for yourself as well, you know, sitting down, looking at your calendar, scheduling out specific personal time and family time, and then following your calendar is really key in setting those personal boundaries as well. Okay. No, I, 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 am in full support of that. So now how do you do that? No, I'm, I'm going to go to the flip side of, you know, I said my, my spouse is, I, doesn't want to be involved. I've also had spouses that have, you know, and I've had them on the podcast on other episodes that they were, they've, I've had one spouse and kudos to them. Cause I think I, me and my wife would end up killing each other. They'd have worked with, worked with four startups and they were doing, they're on their fourth startup together. They'd done three startups before that. I've had others that have, you know, their spouse gets involved in different varying levels. And so setting those expectations is easy if they don't want to be involved or they want to minimally involved in the sounding board and say, okay, you know, the only time we'll talk business or I'll get involved, you're welcome to be involved. And unless, you know, unless you want to know more, we'll just kind of bounce ideas off you and that. But how do you, when you don't have the boundaries, you know, or you're working with your spouse all day or working on a startup together, how do you then deal with not not bringing business home or not letting that affect your marriage when you're outside of business. And, you know, it's kind of, cause it kind of seems like it's, you know, you got it kind of the making business decisions together, running a business together, but you also have a lot of things outside of business of kids and, and parenting and being spouse and being in love and other things. So how do you set those boundaries? I think it's a really key to look at where your resentments lie. So if you are resenting your spouse in any area what is that area? And that's the area that you need to fix. Because if there's, if you're not having those resentments, if it's working pretty well for you, then you're probably not, you don't need to set as many boundaries. But if you have some resentment in certain areas, that's where you need to take a look at, okay, how am I showing up here? What do I need to do differently? What is the conversation I need to have with my spouse and how we can make this work the best for the both of us? 
Okay. No, I think that that makes sense. And so, and so how do you, how do you identify those areas or how do you identify them before they become a, a fight, right? In the sense that oftentimes you just kind of put things on the back burner, you put things on the back burner, you say, oh, I'll, it's not, I won't let it bother me or I'm not going to worry about it or anything else. So how do you, how do you not, how do you avoid doing, because then it usually builds up and the frustration eventually boils over. They have the conversation anyway, but it's at a much worse, you know, point in time in the sense you're not in a, good place to just sit down and talk rather you're frustrated and you're you're raising voices or whatnot so how do you identify those areas beforehand well i think you said it it's seeing where you're frustrated right like noticing that about yourself realizing that the frustration is created by you expecting things to be different than they are that's where resentment comes into is when you expect things should be differently than they are. Either your spouse should be doing things differently or they shouldn't be doing something. And that's where those frustrations and resentments lie. So just being really self-aware and noticing when those things come up and then addressing them before they get out of hand. I don't think it's ever a good idea to not address those things, to just shove them down because they're not going to get better. Whenever you resist whatever you're feeling, it just tends to fester and get worse. I like to say whatever we resist persists. So if you're shoving it down going, oh, I just won't worry about it. Oh no, it's going to continue to fester. It's going to continue to get worse. And then it's going to end up an explosion. Mm. And so it'd be better to just say, hey, I'm noticing that I get really frustrated when I feel like you should be doing this or you shouldn't be doing this. And I'd like to have a conversation about it so that we can continue to have a good marriage and a good working relationship. No, I mean, that makes sense and it's great advice so now i'm going to jump over to and we're just jumping all over the board one of the things you talked about and i thought was interesting was you know some of the reason that you people build a business is to feel validated right and so maybe touch on that and we talked a little bit before about the podcast or maybe if you want to touch on that of how you you know and i think you talked a little bit about you know being validated ahead of time or not just letting your business be the only thing that validates you but maybe if you want to give a bit of thoughts or insight on that that area as well yeah, so validation is a really big a really big point for most people. They want to feel like what they're doing matters. And so they're looking for outside sources to help them feel that way, whether the business is successful or their marriage is successful or whatever. And really where that validation should come is from within, that you validate yourself and then you make things successful rather than making something else try to prove it for you. So we're trying to look for that validation outside of us when really it needs to come from within. And we're going to be a lot more successful when we do it that way rather than trying to constantly look for validation from outside sources. So how do you, so how do you, and probably something I need to work on myself, how do, you, <laughs> how do you find the validation from within or, you know, how do you go about, if you are, if you are the person that looks for outside validation or wanting that, you know, people tell, you know, the business is doing great and we're making all this money, therefore I'm successful, right? Is the kind of the thing Or people look at me and they say, oh, you got, you know, hundred employees or a thousand employees or whatever it is, right. therefore I'm successful and you define your, your success based on how well your business or your career is doing, which that's certainly a part of your life, but it shouldn't be the only place that you think that you can be successful. You can be a good husband or spouse. So how do you start to shift the mindset of looking, not looking for validation only in your career or the business? Well, it's just really turning inward and looking at yourself. Are you showing up the way that you want to? I mean, even if your business isn't like super, super successful, as long as you continue to show up as the business owner that you want to be, eventually you're going to get there. Eventually you'll make it right. It's not giving up. It's not 
not giving in to the failure, but continuing to make steps to overcome that failure over and over and over to make it successful. So if you're continuing to show up in the way that you want, you're going to feel so much more validated from within. You're going to be in alignment with your own integrity. And whether that's in a business or in a marriage, it doesn't matter. It's how you want to show up. When, you're, when you know that you aren't showing up to the best of your abilities, then of course you're going to be looking for outside validation because you're not getting it from within. But even if you, even if you don't get a validation from outside, but you know that you're doing your best and you're constantly working hard, it doesn't matter what anybody else says because you're showing up the way that you want to. Mm. No, I think mean, that that's some very interesting and valid valid advice as to how to how to validate yourself. Yes, validate really, and it's I mean you have to kind of have this you know inner dialogue like you know maybe somebody else is appreciating, but I appreciate how I show up in my business. I appreciate me. I appreciate the hours that I'm putting in. I appreciate the work that I'm putting into this. You know, give yourself a pat on the back. Like I'm doing a good job, even if nobody else recognizing it, because you know that you are, you know that you're doing your best. Now, if you know that you're not doing your best, Mm. it's going to be a lot harder to validate yourself. And then you're constantly going to be looking for other people to validate you. No, I think that's a good point. And I think that you have to, because I think sometimes you get into a business and you you have to, you have to be self-aware enough to validate yourself in a sense. A lot of times, Nobody else, if you're the CEO, if you're the person that runs it, that founds it, your employees oftentimes aren't going to validate you. They're not no. going to come and tell you how great of a job. They'll tell you if you're doing a bad job as a boss, but they're not going to yes. tell you if you're doing a good job. Yes. And, you know, if you're a spouse, if you're, you know, if they're not want, involved with the business, not wanting to be involved, they're certainly going to be your cheerleader, but they're not going to have enough details in order to tell you, you know, really validate you and let you know it's successful. So I think one is I like how you're saying about you need to be introspective enough to validate to be self-aware enough to say, hey, I know I'm doing a job. I'm meeting my metrics. One of the things that works for me is, you know, if you're having goals for yourself and you're setting those and you're achieving them, well, and I would say goals both in, in work and outside of work, yeah. you can validate yourself on those ways saying, hey, I'm, you know, for me, I, I look for ways that I can set goals within the family. So two things that I always do. One is that I coach my uh, son's flag football league and I, mm-hmm. I say, hey, that's a time that I can do that outside of work. I'm doing something dedicated to the family. Another one that we're doing is um, we're, I'm, we're working to restore a B, an old VW bus so that we can take trips as a family together. And so fun. that way I can have dedicated time. So those are my goals outside. And then within work, I say, okay, my goal is to expand or to, you know, increase revenue or to bring in new clients and that. And I think that's one way, at least for me, I can say, okay, I'm not going to get necessarily validation from other people where I'm the boss and most times people don't tell the boss how great you are. So let's yeah. do it. You know, let's figure out those points that I think, what, what do I define as success and then work towards them. And then what happens, what's that inner dialogue if you don't meet those metrics, if you don't meet those goals? Are you beating yourself up for it? You're like, or are you having, you know, really some self-awareness and go, okay, you know, I should have done this better and I'm going to do this better next time. Like give yourself a little bit of grace and, but, and have some compassion for yourself. You don't have to go into that, you know, beating yourself up, but then really double down and see where you need to improve so that you can meet those metrics the next time. Cool. No, I think that's good. So I got two more questions and we'll hit on one in just a minute. So before we get into, before we get into, so I, I thought it was interesting and I'll give the caveat. So I always, my kids, you know, I always do the show as if my kids can listen to it. So sex therapist is a little bit more of that. So before we dive into that, one other question. So how do you, what would be your number one piece of advice? Um, if you're looking, if you're talking to someone that's getting into a startup or a small business to say, Hey, this is, 
how you avoid divorce, how you avoid uh, difficulties and, and how you make it a good, you know, a good thing for your relationship rather than a bad thing. What would be, I know it's hard to say what would be the one thing and there isn't just one thing, but what would be one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, I think we've already kind of touched on it, but setting those personal boundaries. This is what you are going to do and what you aren't going to do within your business and your family. And then really sticking to that, really being in alignment with your own integrity and what feels good to you and really sticking to those boundaries that you have for yourself. Okay. No, I, I, that's, that's great advice. So now we all, well now, and we still have to keep it PG for my kids, but totally, we will. <laughs> and I, I just more joking around. Um, Sex therapist, I know that, that, you know, you got kind of marriage and sex therapist. What overtime yeah. does it within sex therapist or sex life and, and marriage and everything else? Well, it, what advice or what would you give feedback for people as far as that portion of it as related to business? Ooh, let's see. I just, I think that if you are the higher desire partner in your marriage, which 60% of men are the higher desire partner, sex is usually a good stress relief for you. Mm. Um, but your wife being the lower desire partner or your, the lower desire spouse doesn't always feel the same way. So mm. understanding where they're coming from, understanding where you're coming from and trying to find that balance is really helpful. Like I, I love when couples set schedules for sex because I think it, gives the higher desire partner the opportunity to know when it's going to come next. And mm. then it gives the lower desire partner the opportunity to get themselves mentally and physically ready for it. And so hopefully they look at it more from like, okay, I can get myself going and get ready for this rather than um, dreading that it's coming up. <laughs> no, I think that's, that, that's certainly, I think helpful advice and I think makes sense. And I think one thing that we talked on a little bit before the podcast, which I think kind of dovetails into that is, you know, not using it just for stress relief or, you know, that you don't just try and make your spouse, you know, use that as an avenue. They're really had a bad day at work. And then you say, okay, mm -hmm. we'll use this as a stress reliever in the sense yes. that it kind of then shifts the relationship or changes the relationship away yeah. from what it's intended to be. It's just way to fix the work problems at home type of a thing. Right. I totally agree with that. It really needs to be about, you know, love and connection and intimacy and not just a stress relief. That's just kind of an added bonus to it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. All right, so then, now we'll go back to the PG theme where I'm probably much more comfortable talking about it, but no. <laughs> All right, um, so as we wrap it up, any other things that we haven't thought of that if you were to say, hey, these are things that people should consider we may have touched them all, and if so, that's great. Uh, touched on them all, but is there anything else that you think would be helpful for people that are wanting, they're running a startup or a small business? They should know as they're getting going to make sure they keep a strong marriage. I think just continuing to make your spouse that priority and the marriage a priority. It, you will never, at the end of your life, you're not going to look back and go, "Oh, I wish I'd worked harder on my business and less on my marriage." Mm. You're always, you know, people always like, "I wish I had worked more on my marriage and less." in my work life. And that seems counterintuitive to many of us who are those serial entrepreneurs who we love the startup phase. We love the drive. We, that's where we get our fulfillment and excitement, but really understanding what truly matters in life. And that's our family and our marriages. So I think that's kind of a really important thing to go in when you go into that phase is remembering what's truly important. Well, and I'll dovetail on that because I think the other thing to think about it and that this, I'm just, I'm not the, the therapist or the coach <laughs> I, I, just personally, for personal experience <laughs> is that, um, you know, the other thing is, is I think that 
as you as you have a stronger marriage, you do better at work and vice versa, right? Absolutely. So if, you, if you're doing, if you're taking care of things as in the home, that you're having a good marriage, you're having a good relationship, you're being a good father, then you're, you don't feel guilty about at work. You don't feel like you're not doing things. You don't feel yeah. like you're, you're a shortcoming and you're just in a better mood. You're better to be around and more happy. So I think that trying to say, well, I can be a good boss and then, you know, not having a good, you know, good time at home. They have effects both ways. Work is going terrible. It's harder to have a good time at home. Harder to, having a good time at home is it's harder to have a good work. So I think that that I think a lot of good advice, and I'm sure there are plenty more things to touch on, but we'll leave it at. I know we had some internet difficulties, and that I apologize for, but I think That's that right. we're reaching towards the end of the the podcast. But if people wanted to get involved, they're saying, "Hey, as we kind of pointed out, the difference between a coach and a therapist. Mm-hmm. Coaching is going to keep people that are already." feel like they're having a good marriage or that their life is going well, business is going well, but they want to keep building that. They want to keep making it better. What's the best way to, for them to reach out to you, connect with you, get to your coaching or, you know, get involved, get you as a coach or anything else. Yeah. So you can go to my website, amandalouder.com. Louder is L-O-U-D-E-R. And just like I'm loud, I'm a loud person. So amandalouder.com. Um, I have my own podcast all about sex and marriage and the mindfulness that comes behind it. It's uh, live from love and available on all platforms. And you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Amanda Louder Coaching. All right. Well, I encourage everybody to connect up with uh, with you on any or all of those channels. It's uh, I certainly I am a big proponent of you know work life balance, and I think keeping a strong marriage as well as keeping a good business life both can make for a much happier life. And if one gets out of balance, most time they both get out of balance. So thank you again for coming on for sharing some thoughts and advice and uh, things for think people to think about. Um, as a reminder to all the listening audience, so if you want to be on our normal podcast episode, or if you're even in a, you know, whether a coach or a therapist or anything else, we'd love to have you on and hear thoughts. But for the, for those that are going through their inventive journey, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, just go to inventivejourney.com and apply to be a guest. And if you are uh, wanting to get involved with Amanda, certainly reach out to her. And if you need any help with uh, patents or trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Thank you again, both for sharing your journey as well as all your advice, Amanda. It was a fun, uh, fun podcast episode, and, a pre- and I think it will be very helpful to everybody. Thanks so much, Devin. It was a pleasure to be here.